Our daughter, Jenna, is a nurse who works up at uh, UVA Medical Center here, Prince William campus. And if you know Jenna, you know that she's a very caring, compassionate person. She's a, a great caregiver. And uh, we've learned that she's pretty knowledgeable as a nurse, apparently. Now, that's my unbiased opinion, I know. Um, I have no prejudices involved in my daughter, but um, she, I just think the hospital's lucky to have her. Uh, <laughs> she's very dedicated, uh, and I know that she has long, hard days, like all nurses today, serving her patients with the very best care possible. But I want you to know what Jenna's journey has been getting up to this point in the nursing care she gives today. It began, really, um, more than 10 years ago, when my mother was very, very sick down in Florida, and we were all taking turns trying to go down there and be with her, and Jenna took off some time from, from college to go down there and, and be with her grandmother, and, and she was giving such great care one day in the, the uh, hospital there at Morton Plant Hospital, Clearwater, Florida, that the other nurses came up to her and said, where do you work? <laughs> they assumed she was a nurse. She never had any uh, inkling about being a nurse before. She didn't have any desire, no plan to be a nurse. She was studying for a different college degree at George Mason. And yet they saw something going on there. They saw the caregiving. They saw even some knowledge, I guess, that she had at that point. Well, she went on. She completed her degree at George Mason in integrative studies. I still don't understand what that degree is. But she did finish it, paid for it and everything. And um, she wasn't planning to be a nurse. But because of this experience, she started thinking about it. She didn't say anything to us about that at first. But she found an accelerated nursing program at Marymount and finished her nursing degree on top of her other degree in about 18 months' time. And, and Jane and I were just like flabbergasted with the whole idea because all the time growing up, Jenna was... was uh, well, she couldn't stand the sight of blood. Let's just be honest about it. <laughs> You know, as soon as she sees the blood, well, oh, man, she'd just practically lose it there. Uh, and growing up, she never wanted to talk, frankly, about someone's injuries or illnesses. You know, we get talking about somebody, no, not here, don't talk about that. She never wanted to uh, hear, you know, about some things that were going on. So she kind of had this squeamish reputation. But somehow, now she's managing to do this great job as a nurse. Well, it turns out... Jenna's okay seeing other people's blood. It's just her own blood she doesn't want to see. <laughs> Anybody else like that here? You're fine talking about it, talking about seeing it, but they start drawing your blood and you're out. You know, so you better lay down if they're going to ever take your blood. Jenna's kind of like that. So the topic of blood is the topic for today, and it reminded me of that. You know, it's kind of a gruesome topic. You know, I don't like to preach about blood very much. Uh, subject few people don't want to even talk about. We don't want to talk about someone's catastrophic injuries or or uh, how they bled all over everything. You know, we watch shows and say, well, that's just a show. You know, that's just, you know, acting. That's just pretend. And I have such great admiration for our first responders and some of you that are in the medical field here today, whether, uh, you know, people that are EMTs, people that are policemen, policewomen, um, I just have such respect for them that they can go into these awful circumstances, awful situations, and somehow just set aside their own emotions. You know, I, I, I can't even imagine. I've been a few places where somebody had died at that moment, and I, I cannot erase that from my mind you know, when it happened. 
But for them, it's a daily occurrence, and they have to get in there and help and deal with situations that are really, really difficult. Most of us avoid the subject of death or dying whenever we can, and if we can't avoid it, then we attempt to maybe trivialize it or make a joke about it to avoid the pain of that subject. Even this weekend when we're memorializing our fallen soldiers, don't we sometimes kind of glamorize or maybe even sensationalize their stories in order to avoid the harsh realities of war. You know, who wants to think about that? You know, who wants to, to really go into that, you know, and think about what people have had to go through when their closest friend, their comrade, has died before their eyes? It's such a, such a hard thing. And so we try to avoid this harsh reality of death and dying on a battlefield. Now, when I was a boy, like some of you, not you girls maybe so much, but I know some of the guys. We used to play Army all the time. I mean, every day after school, we'd strap on all the stuff we had, you know. We had a plastic canteen and this belt with all this, you know, weaponry and, and different things. And we had walkie-talkies and we had helmets. We had the whole thing. And we would play in the backyard. We had this really nice three acres. It went down to a creek and out to the woods. And, boy, you could have a whole battle scene out there. So we were, were going through all of this. We love to watch those old TV series like uh, Combat or Rat Patrol or something like that, you know. And, and then we'd get out the next day and we would, we would reenact scenes from that. And we would pretend that the, we were the most heroic soldiers who ever lived. Any of you can identify with that? Recently I found this article on TV shows that were about those World War II heroics, you know, when... After World War II had been over for a while, then they could start showing some of these things in, in maybe even a lighter way. The article said this. By 1862, when Combat, the Gallant Men, and McHale's Navy premiered, the war had been over for 17 years. And the passage of time had somewhat dulled the raw wounds of that traumatic period. By then, many veterans had settled into a comfy, middle-class lifestyle and were even open to a light-hearted look at the war. Also... There's a new generation of avid television viewers, that's me, who would become known as baby boomers. We're intensely curious about the war that had preceded and in some ways caused them. Interestingly enough, four of the ten shows were comedies. Hogan's Heroes generated some controversy for drawing us laughs from a POW camp in the middle of Nazi Germany, but it was the longest running of them all. The best known of these shows were Combat, McHale's Navy, 12 O'Clock High, Hogan's Heroes, and Rat Patrol. Probably you remember most of those shows. In spite of my imagined heroics, however, as a boy, let's face a reality today. That Memorial Day is a stark reminder that war is not a TV show. It's not a movie. It's not an imaginary game that we play in the backyard as a child. Memorial Day reminds us in, that in war, many people have lost their lives, often in terrible and terrifying ways. If we will allow ourselves to stop for a while and think about it, Memorial Day will remind us that there is a heavy cost for the freedoms that we enjoy today. And during the past 247 years of American history, over one million 240,000 soldiers have given their lives so that we can live the lives we live today. 
Now, you may have never seen this in simple statistics, so let me show you the true cost of freedom. American Revolutionary War, 4,435 troops died. In the War of 1812, 2,260 died. In the American Civil War, the probably total all the others together, and maybe it would come up to this number, 620,000 died at least. In fact, there's a new estimate that's come out in recent years saying it's at least 750,000 for that war died. Soldiers, not talking about civilians, talking about the soldiers who, who were out there in battle. World War I, 116,708 died. World War II, 405,399 died. Perhaps you've seen the stars down at the World War II Memorial. The Korean War, 33,686 died. Vietnam, 58,220 died. Gulf War, 154. War in Afghanistan, 686. War in Iraq, 2,432. Now we're into our generation, aren't we? We're into people that we knew. A man named Steve Klink visited the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. and observed the many people who were stopping there. He's glad to see them, you know, just taking time to read the names on the wall and to find somebody in that list that they knew among the 53,000 names on that sobering, highly emotional wall. To me, that, that is maybe because it's my generation. That's the most emotional place to go in D.C., maybe for you, too. He said this, sometimes I get to thinking that it's too easy to lump men and women into a compilation of numbers and forget that each of them died one at a time for a cause beyond their kin. Individual men and women wanted to live as badly as you and I. Men and women who wanted to raise family. Men and women with dreams and hopes for the future just as you and I have. How do we keep them then from becoming just statistics and numbers? How do we keep ever before us the fact that they were someone's father or son or uncle or aunt or sister or friend? How can we do that? Jessica Lynn Hill spent her years of active military duty taking care of the grounds at Quantico National Cemetery about 20 miles from here. She wrote, on many occasions, I read the dates on the gravestones of men my age, 21 years old. Lives sacrificed for the defense of my freedom. It's tragic that their lives ended so soon, but I feel eternal gratitude towards them for being amongst the brave who choose to fight for freedom, not only for our own country, but for people around the world. These men and women sacrifice their lives for a belief. I know of no nobler, more honorable sacrifice than giving your life for a principle you believe more profoundly than self. They sacrificed so that I might be safe, that I might worship as I please, that I might vote, that I might have a voice. My freedom came from the sacrifice of thousands of lives, Jessica said. As someone else said, freedom is no small price to pay. Blood is the payment, it asks. Thomas Campbell a Scottish poet from the late 1700s said this, the patriot's blood is the seed of freedom's tree. The cost of freedom is someone's blood. Almost every time. 
Memorial Day then is a day of remembrance for those who have died in our nation's service. It traces its roots back to 1868 when General John Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic declared May 30th as a day of remembrance. Flowers were placed on the graves of Union and Confederate soldiers at Arlington National Cemetery. Memorial Day was originally called Decoration Day. Then in December of 2000, Congress passed a resolution which asked all Americans to voluntarily and informally observe a moment of remembrance and respect for those brave men and women who gave their lives for our freedom. Tomorrow is officially Memorial Day, but all weekend we are celebrating the Memorial Holiday. Will we see it only as a three-day weekend? Or will we see it as much more? For those who have, of us who have lost maybe a family member or a friend because of war or some military action, it means much more, doesn't it? It means much more than just a few days off, a long weekend. In fact, every American ought to stop and recognize Memorial Day in honor of those who shed their blood to make America what she is today, free and strong and a nation still worth fighting for. On Memorial Day, we mourn the loss of those who died for our freedom. Because men and women have died for this country, we have the right to preach God's word freely. I can stand here today and speak God's word without fear of somebody trying to shut that down. Because they willingly gave their lives on battlegrounds all around the world, we have the right to live at peace in our homes. I don't go to bed at night wondering if somebody's going to break in and kill me that night. I, I, I have security. And because of their sacrifices, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And because of their devotion to duty, we don't have to worry about some other nation invading our beloved homeland. Memorial Day is a time when we remember this sad and sobering fact. The cost of freedom is blood. This Memorial Day, therefore, let us give thanks for their sacrifice. The men and women that we honor on such a weekend could have tried to save themselves, but they put themselves in harm's way so we would have to. They died so that their loved ones and even fellow Americans that they will never know could go on living their lives. We Americans enjoy freedom and wealth that are unequaled, but our freedom and our wealth have come at great price. The cost of freedom is blood. The cost of our greatest freedoms is always the giving of someone's life. May we never forget that. May we never take Memorial Day or their sacrifices for granted. So I'd like us to just pause for a few minutes in this sermon and let's thank God. Maybe you know someone by name. Maybe you know someone of, of your family or dear friend that has sacrificed their life for the freedoms we have today. Let's remember them right now and let's thank God for them. Father in heaven, there are just so many people that have been willing to give their lives that we can't name them all, obviously. But to each of us, there will be someone come to mind who has paid that ultimate price by giving their life's blood so that we could enjoy the freedoms we have today. We thank you, Lord, for them. We thank you for uh, their willingness, for their readiness, for, for that desire 
that they would protect us, that they would provide a future for us. All those things that have inspired them, that they would stand up and face horrendous scenes before them. The realities of war so that we could live in peace and freedom today. We give you thanks for their lives. We give you thanks for their devotion. And we thank you for the love that they have expressed by their sacrifices. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take this one step further today. We can't stop just at this point, as meaningful as it is, as helpful as it is, as important as it is on Memorial Day weekend. Just as American soldiers, male and female, have given their lives for our physical freedom, Jesus also gave his life. Jesus gave his life to set us free from our bondage to sin and death. Just as our American troops shed their blood to preserve this great nation, so Jesus Christ shed his blood to save our souls from hell. And once again, the cost of freedom is blood. The cost of our freedom was Jesus' blood. The freedom we enjoy as Americans is a temporary thing and one that we hope will continue throughout our lifetimes. We hope that we'll always be free as Americans. But the freedom that we can enjoy through Christ is a permanent thing, an eternal thing. One that we know will continue for all eternity. And it is through the blood of Christ alone that we are redeemed. You see, a terrible price was paid for our freedom from sin and death. A ransom is something that we call the price that somebody puts on someone else's head or their freedom to say, you know, they've been kidnapped or maybe they're being held hostage and the kidnappers or the hostage takers demand this ransom in order for that person or persons to be set free. And the New Testament describes very clearly what the cost of our freedom is. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, that he came to earth to give his life as a ransom for many. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in 1 Timothy 2, 6, where he wrote, Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all people. And in Titus 2.14, we read that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So the cost, the price of our redemption, our ransom, was nothing less than Jesus' blood. And the Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. So Jesus gave his life by giving his blood. Hebrews 9.12 says that we were not redeemed by the blood of goats and calves, but Jesus entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, We were not bought back with precious things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And in John's revelation of Jesus Christ, John says that there were four living creatures and the 24 elders gathered around God's throne and they fell down before the Lamb of God and they praised Jesus with this new song as they said this, With your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language 
and people and nation. The cost of our freedom from sin and death and hell was no less than the life's blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning. What shall wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What shall make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So this morning in this worship time, we invite you to come before the Lord who gave his blood for us, who gave his life for us. Let us meet with our Redeemer at the table that he has spread before us. And let us not be in any hurry as we do so. Just as we pause on such a weekend as Memorial Day weekend and we reflect for a few minutes on the many sacrifices made for the freedoms we enjoy, let us pause. Let us remember each week to thank God for Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary's cross. Is it so important for us to realize and to remember the price the cost of our freedom, that it was the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. The price of our freedom was his life's blood, the blood of the sinless Lamb of God who took our sins upon himself so that we could go free. Let me read a passage of scripture that is probably familiar to most of you. It's in 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. We're going to continue in just a moment to remind us of the seriousness of these moments when we remember Jesus' sacrifice, as we even partake of these emblems of his sacrifice. And Paul warns all of us against eating the bread or drinking the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. And so he wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you uh, who are sick are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged by the, uh, in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined 
so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. You see, this is a very serious, sobering, emotional time. We can celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And some Sundays, that's how we feel, celebration. We feel joy. We feel peace. But always this moment must be a serious moment when we seriously think about our lives and our relationship with God and when we really understand in greater and greater ways the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes, but before we do that, watch this video with me, please. Father in heaven, we come before you now to remember the sacrifice has been made on our behalf. The tremendous sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave up what was rightfully his, which should never have been sacrificed in order to show his love for us and to bring us home to you. Father, we partake of these emblems to remember that he gave up his body and his blood. He gave up his life so that we could be saved and we could spend eternity with you. Help us to reflect on these things, our own life and our relationship with you during these moments that Jesus Christ may be lifted up in this place and in our very lives as we cherish the sacrifice that he made. In Jesus' name, amen.
I remember as a child uh, growing up in uh, North Highlands Church of Christ in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, they would partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And I I remember longing for that day when I could partake. Um, I believed in Jesus. I I knew that he was the only savior we would ever have, but I had not yet made that that firm decision of my own to follow Christ. And then at the age of nine, um, one spring uh, just suddenly started hitting me, you know, that that I I had sin in my life. I had things that were wrong in my life that needed to be removed, that uh, the only way for that to happen was for Jesus to take take my sins. And um, I knew he had taken them on, him, on himself, but now I need to make that real for me. And so one Sunday, after I talked with my parents about it and everything, I went forward, and, and uh, there was an invitation song, and I went up. And I remember the preacher looking at me, you know, with this doubtful look on his face. Does he have any idea what he's doing up here? <laughs> you know, that's kind of that look on his face. And he actually turned to my parents when the song finished. He says, does he know what he's doing? <laughs> this is what he said. They said, yeah, 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 we've we've talked with him. He knows it's all it's all about Jesus. It's all about the grace of Jesus. And so I confess my faith in Christ. And right at the end of that service, I was baptized into Christ and received salvation that only comes in Jesus Christ. And we're so, so glad that, you know, you raised in a place where you learn about that, that you're raised in a home and, and in, with parents who know Jesus and, and know the difference Jesus can make. If you're here today and maybe these things have not come through for you and you know, you're just kind of just kind of drifting, just kind of, um, you know, maybe still questioning some things. You really don't know what to do. You don't know how to do this. Can we talk after church today? Can we talk about that? Can we talk maybe meet this week and see uh, maybe where there's questions or, or things concern? But if you're ready. And if you know that Jesus is the only one who can save you and you're ready to surrender your life to him, then you can make that decision today. You don't have to wait for anything. And you can come today and you can be baptized into Christ and you can receive the salvation that is in him only uh, just because of God's grace. So uh, if that's a decision you need to make today, let's make that today. We're going to sing a song together. We're going to invite you to sing with us. It's a new song, but it just declares our trust in Jesus Christ. He is the only one we can put our trust in. So I want to encourage you to do that today. If you've done it before, do it again. Just continue to trust in Christ. Know that he's going to be there with you from now right on into eternity. And if you have never put your trust in Christ before as your Lord and Savior. Let's do that today before you go home, okay? Would you stand with us and let's sing.